0: Welcome to the ADH Deep Dive, the show that's not about ADHD, but is filled with proof it exists. My name is David J. Mund. I'm an actor, director, cinematographer, and host of the ADH Deep Dive. And on this week's episode, I'm joined by Emily Miller. She's an actor and comedian fresh off the heels of Chicago's debut theatrical performance of Goosebumps, the musical. In this episode, we talk a lot about self-image. We discuss body dysmorphia, eating disorders, and the emotional instability that those afflictions bring with them. So thank you for joining me on this episode of the ADH Deep Dive. Let's dive in, shall we? The career ruining starts, it's right around the corner. Okay. okay. So it's Come coming right. up. I'm ready. First of all, hey. Hi. I, uh, I think it's important to at least mention on, I was going to say on tape, but we're not actually using tape on screen that I met you through the immersion theater company that we both work for. There's different troops across the country. We don't necessarily need to talk about the company itself. How did you get involved with the Chicago troupe? That's what I mostly want to know about.
1: So I actually was first I'm, I'm in the Detroit troupe and the Chicago troupe. Oh yes. So I was first, I auditioned for the Detroit troupe in the summer of 2021. So I've only been in for like a year and a half. Okay and i i'm pretty sure i saw the notice on backstage i think okay. to audition um but yeah i i was questioning how legitimate it was when i saw the advertisement but then i went in it was just a fun improv audition and i realized <laughs> this is going to sound a little I, I don't know but um i realized i am almost overqualified <laughs> for that type Over,
0: yeah Yes. No, no, no. You're totally right. Because there's an intimidation going into it when you hear about what it is and, like, you think about the companies that are hiring, like... Because a lot of what we do is for murder mystery and, like, superhero and princess parties and stuff. Yes. And and you go in thinking that there's going to be this grand expectation, but all of the clients have no idea what they're expecting. They're just there for a good time.
1: Exactly. And I think one thing I wasn't as prepared for prior to auditioning or just even being cast is the customer service aspect of it. And Mm. no, I'm not like, I'm not serving them their food or anything, but I mean, sometimes they think I'm a waiter or they're like, who can I talk to about getting more drinks? Uh, Yes. And I'm like, I'm in character.
0: (laughs) (laughs) For real. And there are always those people at either the, the princess party things or the murder mystery things specifically, where they're like, so how long you been part of the company here? And it's like, stop. Like, you've hired me to be this person. Stop trying to get me to be the dude behind the curtain.
1: I'm like, no, exactly. I'm like, I have a feeling that we could talk about that after. But <laughs> yeah. this what part of what? This is just who I am. It's just me. <laughs> uh,
0: when we did... Um, because the thing that we met at was, uh, well, actually, just a, a quick qualifier for the podcast conversation. Anything I know we've already talked about, like what is and is not off limits or whatever. But if we end up like disclosing names or like companies or something that you work for, we're obviously not live, so like yeah. there will be an editing process. Right. So like anything that you're like, oh shit, I probably shouldn't have said that. Let's cut. We can cut it. Super. Okay. So I say that to say that we went to um, Mackinac Island um and went to the grand hotel and that's where we officially met for the superhero and princesses weekend which is one of the if not the biggest event of the year for the company i think um that's at least what it was hyped up to be for me that's all i really know about um had you was that the biggest thing that you had done at that time for the, for com- the company for the, yeah, com- for the company yeah
1: oh yes yes yeah. yes, yes um yeah, I think over the summer at that point, I had done, like, 20 shows total. I've only been with the Princess Party Company, though, since February. And at the time of going to the Grand Hotel, I had only done, I think I'd only done two. I'd only done two. and Had you
0: done any as Asbel?
1: I was Snow White.
0: Oh sorry yeah yeah sorry yeah. yeah.
1: Snow White. So no, I hadn't. And what's funny about that also is um when you get cast as a princess um you are told if you're primary or secondary. Um and so obviously primary you're the first person they contact for a job and Snow White, I'm a secondary. So <laughs> that was funny um and good for the old ego. Um, yeah, yeah. When I was asked to be Snow White and it was the first time Snow White got to go to this event um so no I had not been Snow White before
0: so what when you say that it's like there's a secondary do you mean like is it kind of like an understudy type like you're there in case we need it to be somebody that's my
1: understanding yeah
0: I think that's how I ultimately ended up being booked for it because it was very last second it was only my second job with the company entirely I had done one murder mystery party that they had me do in the middle of my training dates because they had a, a random person drop and they needed somebody to just fill in. So I got thrown into a 150 person murder mystery party. It was the 80s themed one. I was Joe Mama. <laughs> and uh that's where I don't know if you've seen the guitar photo has come into play. Um and then after that, it was a couple weeks later. They're like, "Hey, we uh, have this event coming up at the Grand Hotel. We need somebody to be Spider-Man. Is that something that you think you could do?" I was like, I don't know. I have no idea. That seems like an intimidating thing to do. So I was like trying to Hollywood actor Christian Bale it by like going to the freaking trampoline park and trying to learn how to do backflips and like acrobatics and stuff. When really all I ended up doing was crouching on the ground, high-fiving a bunch of kids and turning to, this is why I wanted to bring it up, turning to their parents and telling them to stop trying to ask me about who I am and how long I've been with the company. I'm Spider-Man, damn it.
1: No, that was, you were fantastic, especially. <laughs> no, you really were. And, but no, there you had so many of those kids who were like, are you Peter Parker or Miles or yes. blah, 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 blah. Yes. and it's like hey buddy shut the fuck
0: up. shut up I <laughs> listen I I know you see me but stop your little brother doesn't I'm Peter Parker exactly. which hang on I actually have a pretty relevant note um that I think will also tie us nicely into this next little chunk um you just wrapped up um the show Goosebumps I did Um, first, tell me, actually, I want to, I want to just throw this little note out here. Do it. Uh, because I, uh, I said something about the difference between Goosebumps and Princess, the Princess Party. Um, we're going to get into conversations about your blog. Of course, we've, we've kind of preemptively talked about that. But, um, there, there was a part, uh, in one of your entries, I don't know if it was this most recent one or the one before it, where you were talking about how you performed to a crowd of exclusively children and how aggravating that can be. However, what's the juxtaposition there when you're like performing in front of children in a scripted play or being a princess at their level at their birthday party? Like, what is the difference? Like, is there a disdain there still? Or is there like a love for children? Or where does that come?
1: I love most kids. (laughs) It's just, it's upsetting for me when they, when they don't want And it's hard because I, to some extent, I'm sure, I don't think I ever was like this. But I I see the temptation to be the smartass and to, you know, you know, poke holes in the, in everything and curtain. But like, for example, with the princess parties, usually, and to my pleasant surprise, they are so into it, usually. Yeah. And they they do they want to believe you are that. And it's so funny also because I think one of the rules, at least with the Detroit troupe, we're not supposed to sing as the princesses. We're not supposed to sing any of their songs, at least by ourselves. We're not supposed to do it. And I th- oh. I think the reasoning is that the kids would freak out if you did not sound indistinguishable yes. from the actual voice actress or something. Sure. And to me, that doesn't quite make sense because, because I mean, can't they see that I'm right. a cartoon?
0: There's also like a leading, like, I was going to say leading the witness, but that's not the right p- phrase. Just leading the kid is like, with you say the first few lines, the kid is going to sing it anyway. Yeah. And so you kind of just step back and let them have their moment that they're like, I'm singing with Elsa right, uh, or, or whoever. Um, rather than you being like, well, I'm not a singer, I'm an actor, so I don't have to have this awkward moment of like accidentally being caught by this it's like a a kid sitting on santa's lap and then pulling his beard off
1: exactly exactly it's
0: it's not likely to happen but if it happens it's going to ruin the whole moment
1: (laughs) for everyone and so yes there was one i was elsa in june and the birthday girl had this cousin who was only six and yet i truly think she is going to end up being diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder, <laughs> the first thing this little twat says to me, <laughs> she comes up to me and she goes, I know you're not real because I can see your real hair through your wig. <laughs> He's like, I know you're a yeah. liar. I, I know you're be. a liar. She said.
0: That is so frustrating when you're in that moment, because when I felt that as Spider-Man, it's like, no, look, I would if I had the mask off, I'd high five you because like you're an intuitive kid. However, you're blowing my cover. You're gonna piss off your whole family. A lot of people people paid a lot of money for this experience. Shut up, you little seven year old fucking brat.
1: Yes, and also like this kid, I will never forget. She said. She said, I don't know how she was so aware, but she said, uh, like. I don't know why Rose's parents paid a thousand dollars if you can't even like <laughs> get real ice powers thing. <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't know what money was until I was like 15. Um but there's <laughs> just the whole day. And so finally, so how I dealt with it, finally, I even though I wanted to I wanted to slap her. Oh yeah, of course. Either physically or verbally. But mm,
0: um we know I, it's both.
1: I said, I said so you're, you're pretty smart, right? And she goes, yes. And I said, <laughs> I said, well, so obviously like you've had, you have all of this figured out, but I don't think everyone else does. So the younger kids, they still kind of, they believe in it. So could you maybe be my like special helper and making sure they still, or something like that. And then she felt, oh, like, okay, yes, I'm important now. And I-, I don't know, but there's always that kid. So I, even if this might not be the point, I try to give equal attention to every kid, not just the birthday kid. Yeah. Because I think that completes, it makes the whole experience coalesce nicely. I
0: think. Yes. And uh, on two points, one, the main, um, the, the person of the day, whether it's the birthday girl, the birthday boy or whatever, like they have a better time if all of their friends are in it with them and not trying to break it down. It's like a kid like trying to lean over and blow out a birthday candle for a cake that's not theirs. It's like, it might just be one little thing, but you're gonna ruin it for everybody. And I know you're just a kid and like you're being very intuitive and there's probably something generational happening here, (laughs) but I I don't care. You're gonna blow my cover. Yeah. And so you gotta give them a task. And with this, uh, with the Mackinac Island thing, Yeah, there was still a lot of kids who thought, who knew that I wasn't Peter Parker, but by the end of the weekend, and we were also there with them for three days, was it? Mm -hmm. They had time to, even if they didn't believe we were the characters, they had time to become friends with the people behind the mask. So like, even if I wasn't Spider-Man, they didn't care because they had so much fun with the dude who was pretending to be Spider-Man, that you would have people like, I don't even care if you're not the real Spider-Man. Exactly. It's cool. It's validating. And I never thought that I would be validated by a six or seven-year-old, but damn it, it happened over and over and over again. So so we teased it. Let's talk about uh, Goosebumps. I unfortunately was not able to make it out for that. However, um, it seems that you did have some people from the uh, uh, theater company that we work for come out and do it. Talk about that a little bit, and then let's talk about the show itself.
1: Yes. Um, no, that was really, really sweet. I have one very good friend, um, who is with the Detroit company. We were cast at the very same time and she actually was briefly, she was interim director for a couple months, um, because our previous director like was very, very, very pregnant, um, mm. and had a baby like five seconds ago. Um, oh. but, yeah. Um, so, that was crazy that we're the same age and we're cast at the same time and she got to already has gotten to be director and she was oh I'm so I am is such this, a silly goose this... because she was there with us on yeah I I ugh. yeah mm-hmm. Aliana
0: but for the listeners don't know you're
1: good that's true so that was on purpose and yeah, I'm not yeah. losing my marbles <laughs> no you're great um, but um yes Aliana who was Wonder Woman on macna Island she's We've become very, very good friends, Um, and she she drove in and saw Goosebumps.
0: So Goosebumps itself uh, is was through. What was the um, production company? How did you hear about the show? Was this another just casting call that you fell into, or?
1: So actually, it's funny because it was through my acting program in Chicago, but it was in. It was the Chicago premiere of this musical, so it had never, so Goosebumps, it's relatively new, obviously, and we got to do it at school, and um, we got a six-week run, and it was the first time it had been performed in Chicago.
0: So you say that it's a new show. You mean just in terms of, like, theater productions, like, overall through the history of theater? Or just, like, was it written within the last few years? It was
1: written like, within the last few years.
0: Oh, I didn't realize that.
1: Yeah, very new.
0: Like, post-Jack Black film?
1: It was... <laughs> it was... I I think they started workshopping it maybe in 2016. But okay, okay. But then it's... I think it's been performed maybe for the last two.
0: That's wild, because I just think of Goosebumps as such like an integral part of my childhood.
1: Yeah, 90s. The idea
0: of it being, a uh, and I'm not necessarily like a, um, I'm certainly not a, a Broadway or theater expertise, but just the, I, I would have imagined that was around a lot longer than two years.
1: No, it's pretty new.
0: So when the, so the company that did it, that you worked with, have you done other companies or uh, uh, productions through them? Is this through a school? You
1: said. It, yeah, it's through my school. Um, so okay, I'm okay. almost, almost done with earning my bachelor of fine arts in acting from DePaul in Chicago. Oh, okay. Um, and that is its own entire thing. But um, yes, there.
0: Oh, we can talk about the educational system. We can go there. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: Um, but yeah, I'm finally, I'm on winter break right now, so we're not on semesters, we're on quarters, every school year has three, and now I only have two left until I graduate. All right. Five months. That's coming up. Five months.
0: Are you planning to continue any schooling afterwards? Or are you ready to I, throw that behind you?
1: At this point, I can pretty unequivocally say I will not be enrolling in school again.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: it's just i mean i don't think there's ever been a point where i necessarily thought oh yeah i'd i would like to get my master of fine arts or anything um i i could definitely see myself taking isolated classes um but it would not be in the pursuit of another degree um i just there have been a lot of disruptions with my schooling sure yes
0: so at least you were able to find this the theater production through it, however. So when when you landed there, what was your first production with them? Or is this the first production that you've done with them?
1: Well, so for Goosebumps, you mean? Goosebumps. So how it works at our school is um, you're in, so like I said, there are three terms in a year, and everyone is in a show for two of those. Um, And there's we don't do a musical every year because it's it's an acting conservatory. Um, So we're not trained in musical theater, but we still do a musical about every other year. And then, of course, that was disrupted from COVID. Um, So it's been a few years. Um, And I actually... I don't know how Goosebumps was chosen, but... um, Callbacks and auditions were in May, and I, I've worked with the director. He was my teacher. He's been my teacher for a few years, and just it all made sense. The care I I wish you could have seen it, not just because,
0: because of vanity.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Vanity ego, but I relatable. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You and I, it's like looking in the mirror. Um, I have never felt so correct for a part well i never get cast as a lead role in a musical i i love being in them i love watching them but my training primarily is in straight theater whether it's comedy or drama Mm -hmm. and also just i i have a huge hang up with singing there's a lot of i know it sounds like it's not that deep but it's a very personal thing and there's a lot of psychology behind it oh sure yeah and so i've worked a lot on it and i I would label myself as a good singer but nothing more than that like i'm competent ish okay um but my singing alone is never going to be what gets me remembered or gets me ahead, I would say. And so that's been hard. So to get a lead role in a musical was very, very special.
0: So was there a... How many rounds of callbacks were there for this? Did it feel particularly competitive, or was it pretty certain that you had gotten the role as soon as you had auditioned?
1: There was just one round of callbacks, um, and it's also... It's hard because everyone was also, they could have been called back for another show that was being done at school. So, not everyone necessarily wanted to be in it, or a few people really did. I obviously really did. Um, But I was up against, I think, four other people. And in my opinion, I was not the strongest singer, but i think the part was mine after we read the scenes because i just the girls the character i would describe as a hybrid of rachel berry from glee and sharpay evans from high school musical just (laughs) okay um very just cartoonishly intense and obsessive and wanting to be the lead and the whole shtick is that um the my character is the understudy for this main girl and that's like my whole i my big song is called understudy buddy and it's basically saying you're not feeling well stay home i've got this i swear i've got this like that's what i'm here for um is
0: this is this the clip that i've seen not, the only thing that i've seen was the out of, out of context you up at the up at center stage saying a week, a month, yep. or a yep. year. Yep. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs>
1: take your time, uh, don't rush back, I can cover the track. I'll send you good vibes while I take the lead. Ha, literally, just kidding. <laughs>
0: um. Okay, okay, okay. It makes sense now, all right. So the, um, uh, the thing that I think is going to be the most, uh, you know, okay, I'm just gonna be as transparent as possible. I've been very intimidated about having this conversation with you Um, because I talked to you very early on when I was starting to conceptualize this podcast that I wanted to have you on this podcast and that we were going to talk about this, but I want to be delicate because I mean, you obviously know, you obviously know why I want to be delicate, but one of the most important things is the way that you have introduced this next thing we're going to talk about. So, um, we're going to talk a little bit about your blog, which is um Let's let, let how about you introduce the what the blog is as a concept and then we can kind of break down the um the specifics of what it is.
1: Yeah. Um I believe I started the blog a little over a year ago in an attempt for myself to make sense of how I still find myself in the middle of my eating disorder, um, and it kind of chronicles. Well, I use the word chronicles because part of it is dedicated to the timeline of it, like the it's dated me having these issues, and yeah, it's dated, um, but it's more. It's funny I I almost feel an obligation which is so funny because no one asked me to make this thing like who fucking cares but for You're me, talking
0: to a guy who's making a podcast with like maybe 10 listeners on average. So
1: maybe 12. <laughs> um no, well um Yeah. Um, I told you I'm gonna promote the shit out of
0: it. You fucking better.
1: Because this is about me now.
0: You're right, you're right. <laughs>
1: <I'm> <laughs> <on the> <laughs> um, but with the blog, I kind of when I'm writing it and I find it straying a little just more toward what's going on every day, I think, oh no, sh- is it drifting too far away from specifically talking about eating issues? And then I think, well, no, because it all factors in. It's all related. Um, is there anything else I should? Say or something? That- nope. okay. okay. Nope,
0: that's that's perfect. One of the things that uh, I, and I said that you kind of introduce it as right at the top, if you're given the link to your blog, it says, and I don't have this ver- verbatim, but it essentially says, I don't uh, believe in the use of trigger warnings. Mm-hmm. Do you mean that centrally as a theme? Like you do not believe that it is um, appropriate or necessary to warn someone that they're entering into a source of um, uh, just heavy controversy or just you don't believe in being like once per paragraph, trigger warning, I say something coming up here.
1: Quite candidly, it's more the first, it's more the former. I don't, I don't like that that is because here's why. Here's one reason why. And this is kind of just a first draft of a thought. Sure. Um, I might say that a lot because it is a thing we do in, in our in our acting program. Everyone will be like, this is a first draft. Yep. Just-
0: or think thinking out loud is what I have and to excuse want- it away. Like, I'm not going to say what I mean to say, but I'm definitely thinking what I mean to say. So just break that down in your brain, please. But continue. Sorry. Sorry.
1: Precisely. Um, Because when you start to will censor, but then also try to anticipate what could be harmful for certain people. You can't- you can't possibly cover everything. Sure. So, in my opinion, it's funny. It's like, in the attempt to include everyone and provide caution for everyone, you are still gonna leave people out. So, then it will turn into a- how could you- like, you were being so cautious- and yet you still left me out of this? Sure. And so I just, I think it's either, it's an all or nothing. I'm a very all or nothing person. And I think I've never seen the benefit of those warnings. Um, it's different, and I've gotten chastised, well, as you can imagine, in our general age group, people don't agree with my stance on it. Um, but, like, if it's, if it's a if you're warning someone that there will be strobe lights in a performance yeah. <coughs> and that could be dangerous to them because they have epilepsy, yeah, of course do that. But okay. like or even like very very loud noises. I have very 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 hypersensitive hearing, so I I would probably appreciate that, but then also I'd be anxious the whole time. That's another thing. I don't I don't like The idea of now I'm, oh gosh, I'm anxiously anticipating something. And then it's, I don't like, I feel like then there's something wrong with me if I don't think that something is a problem, if that makes sense. So if, you know, I'm like, oh, should I be upset by this? I don't like the idea that everyone or no one should be upset or sensitive to something. I'm a very, 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 very sensitive person.
0: I think that that's, that is the mix of being uh, a millennial and just existing in this social climate right now too, is that there is this general philosophy that we are more quote unquote progressive as a country or as a people that like we need to be sensitive to other people's feelings, however, the, the direct attempts at trying to, uh, fluff an ego or, um, I don't know, just fit into the moment socially by trying to be like a, a, a quote unquote, social justice warrior makes it worse when you're really bad at it. <laughs> and so if by using this trigger warning analogy, like I, 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 I'm all this to say, this is not, I'm not disagreeing with the way that you use it. I actually prefer the way that you use it because let's be real. Your anti-trigger warning is sort of a trigger warning.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So it does say right off the top, like, I'm not fucking around here. Like we're, we're not going to be kids. We're going to talk about like adult themes here, but like you get to decide for yourself when you are or are not offended or triggered or and at that point, you can bow out.
1: Exactly. Cool. I can't anticipate or censor for you.
0: Because, now... Yeah. Sorry, go ahead.
1: No, that, that's basically it. It's exactly what you just said.
0: S- so, um... I'm kind of in that vein, though. I kind of try to do that so far. I mean, I'm only... This is eight episodes so far that I'll have out. And I'm tr- trying to get in touch with what this podcast is i think to a certain degree it's of course it's a a way of me venting and complaining and clearly projecting so far i do a lot of that on here Um, but it is a way for me to kind of process some of the stuff i'm going to by validating it through other people's experiences so far with this blog um i think when i asked you if you were open to criticism or comments or critiques or whatever you said, like, you know, you were comfortable talking about anything. Mm -hmm. Has this, uh, been an avenue for other people that you know to feel a little more seen or have people reached out to you in that way?
1: Several people have reached out to me. Um, again, I don't have a sense of how big the audience is. Again, it's, it's, it's new. It's, you know, Mm -hmm. but, um, Mm -hmm. Several people have um, mostly very, I guess I'll use the word positive as a placeholder, but um, a lot of people very much understanding. Um, A lot of guys have actually also responded. Some of, not just guys, but just in general, some people have expressed a little bit of frustration with the way I talk about myself in it um or kind of with my candor my just I don't it's it's almost painfully honest I would describe it It, I, I don't know if you would
0: but that is exactly how I would describe it because okay this is the part that I was more nervous about than anything I have a fear of taking a serious issue and identifying with it immediately and being like, no, 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 now let me re-explain your issue back to you, okay? Because I understand it deeper than you ever could. And that's not what I'm trying to do here. Um, I think that there's a way to carefully navigate around this conversation and differ from where our issues lie. But I would have considered myself um, a person who struggled or now still struggles with an eating disorder, significantly different than the one that you're dealing with, of course. But another thing that you say off the top, and this is how you introduce yourself through your Instagram page, is by saying, don't talk to me about your diet. <laughs> I think that there's a bit of wittiness there, of course. I think that uh, from what little I know you, there is some um, a playful sarcasm, That you're obviously open to having conversations about what it is that people are going through or how they interact with their identity or self-image. But that means something to you, that that statement alone. And when I brought up to you at one point, or it came up in conversation, that I was now a vegetarian, me not knowing any of the context, you had basically said, we'll talk about that later, but I'm judging you. (laughs) What? What, um, what, what is your, what is your view on, uh, how do I even want to ask this? Because I don't even know if I'm asking a question or so much I'm saying. Talk about it. Talk about it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Why were you nervous to talk, to ask
0: that? Because, because it's a part, there's a deeper conversation there where it's more like, I'm more nervous to talk about what it is that I actually deal with or dealt with because it's like telling someone who lost their home in a fire, like, oh, I totally know what you're going through. My power went out for the last day. Like, it's like, yeah, neither of us have power, but like your problem's worse. Like objectively, there can be an objective truth. And I'm nervous that by me saying, you know, my power's out, that it'll somehow seem like my story is, I don't know so let's t- let's 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 reframe that then let's talk about maybe some of the specifics that you do deal with and then we can kind of compare and contrast
1: yeah so specifically i'm remembering i'm trying to put it in the right order from that those three days and when it first came up that you were a vegetarian so probably I didn't know-
0: day one because i'm just
1: talking about myself constantly of course <laughs> yeah, it was not like that um I didn't know any of your history either. um. And so I didn't know that you had lost a significant amount of weight or anything like that. Because um, here you are in this little Spider-Man suit. I know.
0: Um, <laughs> How could you know? I get it.
1: Um, But for me any sort of dietary restriction that was not prescribed by a medical professional to me is a disorder sure and it's i just i i can't look at someone the same when i know they are choosing unless okay so it's again allergy or a doctor told them or a health professional told them to restrict this from their diet, yeah. or you genuinely do not like the taste, that's it. For me, if it falls outside of those two, and you are choosing to abstain from it, I can't look at you the same, because I know look, there's a problem there.
0: So the diet is, the diet issue is more in the abstaining, not the, like, like let's say, you know, uh, Maybe there's legitimacy to it. I am not a health professional in any way, but the, um, the keto diet, people do it so they can get freaking jacked. Your perception there is that it, the diet isn't like, it's not a diet. They're doing it because of some parallel thought to body dysmorphia that they believe they have to or should look a certain way.
1: Yes, and. (laughs) Um, It's more just, it's, this is what it is. It is the notion that there are good foods and bad foods.
0: Yeah, okay. Is it the everything in moderation philosophy? Like, is it just? Yes. Okay.
1: And when you're on a specific diet, it's just, it's funny to me how people don't realize whichever one it is it's working because you're in a calorie deficit that's all you're doing and (laughs) like there's nothing it's not special like it's you're tricking yourself like it's right and so again it's the because i'm not going to pretend and this should be very apparent this is something people i think criticize in the blog or just in yeah in in my blog is I'm the last person who will ever be a champion of body positivity because I, what I find more annoying than any of it is forcing yourself to enjoy something you don't. That's just as wrong to me. Um, c- because then it's so like, okay, it's bad to, um, it's oh gosh, like I made a joke. I have a joke in my stand-up that I missed the sweet spot of when it was cool to have an eating disorder. So I'm like, okay, so it used to be bad. You can smile, David. You can <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, <laughs> like it used to be bad to be okay being fat, but now it's bad to not to not want to be. And I'm just like, that's also unrealistic. Like I I, there are several things about my physical appearance that I don't like. Don't tell me to not, not like them. Sure.
0: It's, it's sort of a superiority complex in that, like, and this is again, a a thing that I'm trying to avoid just in general in my life, but in this conversation specifically can be an exercise in that, that like, it's okay to talk about the issues that you have, but by, uh, using those issues as a way to like, like let's say I used my body dysmorphia and we'll talk about kind of more the specifics about that, but my body dysmorphia in general to be like, well, I went vegetarian and it just so happened to work for me. So in order to cure your body dysmorphia, you must go vegetarian when ultimately that's not what works for everyone. Okay, so you don't want people to convince you to go on your diet. Yes. you're You're fine with the do do your own thing whatever works, whatever works, but you're going to have an opinion ultimately that what you're doing is is not what you claim it to be,
1: yes, okay,
0: I can handle that, not that my validation matters in your <laughs> your it
1: does <laughs> it does it really does, and um I think one of the worst things you can do is tell someone else what they should not eat, yeah. I think that's crossing the line.
0: Yeah. So we can lean into the specifics then. Um, where, where does a lot of this stem from you? Because you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just, this is why I write notes so I can stick to them. I have to do it. Um, again, uh, you have a lot of clarifying terms right off the top at the top of your blog. Uh, in quotes, you put N-T-U. Which is an uh, what's what's the phrase uh, acronym? Acronym, yeah, as an acronym for not throwing up. Yes. yes. Um, along the way, you also have um, like when you date it, like a diary or a journal. You at the beginning say how many days you've gone without it. I don't. Uh, I don't even think it's necessary to talk about specifics or streaks or or, or, or whatever. When did it become clear to you? Because, of course, there's a first time, but I think more importantly, there's a second time that that happens for someone. Um, Because the first time can be exploratory. I think everyone, to a certain degree, whether they were sick or it can be more related in self image, has had to, you know, force themselves to throw up. But then it becomes. A solution to a problem or a um a tool to solve the issue when for you did it become a tool to solve the issue
1: first of all you really did do your homework i
0: told you i do my research
1: (laughs) um i would say probably when i was 16 that is when i started that was the first time and i thought um wow, this is so cool. I can do it when I want to and that's it. And then I can not do it more of the time. And then as we know, eight years later, yes, I'm 24. Um, that's, That's when it became no longer my choice. So I would say when I was 19, at this point, I still, because there's, I go through periods of also where I just am restricting. And so for a long time, I did that and didn't really have to throw up that much, have to. Um, And (laughs) I could go months without doing it. And the thing is, for the first, because I guess now it's been eight years, for the first, I'm going to say four, it was never a situation where I would anticipate that I would do it. I would never purposefully binge eat with the intention, with the premeditated intention of throwing up after. And then I don't... Just something... I, I almost realized that it was a way to punish myself or like just... I was addicted to the... Well, I was just addicted, but also to the idea that I could almost rewind time and I know that's extremely misguided but it I mean here I am I just ate something that I deemed too much Mm -hmm. and now I can uneat it yep um so that and plus of course you you did try to ask about where this stems from and just there are so many things that I wish I could redo or undo in my life um as i'm sure many 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 people that's also. trauma yeah um
0: don't scoff I'm, it off
1: i'm scoffing it off because now I'm now i'm thinking about the power outage versus a fire mm. and nothing objectively or materially traumatic like i this i've gotten a lot of and i wrote about this in a blog entry but i have i was eviscerated for a joke i made in one of my stand-up sets i that,
0: i read, I read yeah. this
1: yes Got um there. that i look like i experienced some sort of typical trauma such as being sexually abused because i mean again, I don't make the rules. It's just, it's very, very, very common. I think this would... is
0: also a safe spot for comedy. I think that you specifically said not just that you, the bit wasn't that like you experienced sexual okay, assault. Yes, you okay. Yes. Specific... Okay.
1: I will do the joke and this is, wow. You did promise to ruin my career. Okay.
0: I'm going to, I told you.
1: Okay. I mean, I will always stand by this joke. Even because
0: though... it's a joke. Because it's a joke. That's, go
1: ahead. No, no, thank you. And also, if you want to pull up the excerpt, (laughs) I think it's from (laughs) three, but where I talk about, where I defend the joke. Um, Yeah. Because that's how you know it's funny. Um, (laughs) I say, um, I say, uh, I know it might be surprising, but I actually, um, I've never had sex, which again, it's surprising because just, I mean, looking at me, everything about me screams was raped by her stepfather.
0: It's a joke.
1: Yes. It's a joke. And also I can, what I do say is I could have used a different word other than rape. I could have said was touched by or have like, I just, but
0: this leads into the trigger warning thing though. It is not your, especially if you are in the uh, universe of comedy itself. If, if you are, you know, I, it, this is a dangerous topic, of course, just for not, uh, not social reasons, just because like everything is subject to be misinterpreted, but I don't know, this is not a place where you have to defend what you were saying is all, is all I'm saying. Uh, the context, however, is in your, um, blog, you wrote about that. So you've experienced a little bit of pushback through the vlog or through the blog, as much as you've gotten validation through the blog.
1: Yeah. And um well this specifically this didn't come from the blog I wrote about it, but um in the blog about um one person specifically. I mean she just who I thought I was friends with. <laughs> like just not close or anything, but just we knew each other. She's also a, attempting to be an actor. Um she's only fucking nineteen, but she just What do you know when you're nineteen? um you still remember math from high school (laughs) 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 he basically just said emily this is the farthest thing from comedy you are one of the sickest people i've ever met um i find you extremely off-putting and have never liked you um i shouldn't have to explain why this isn't funny um we've never been friends and i've never wanted to be friends with you
0: okay (laughs) <laughs> so that's uh, I'm glad that you actually said specifically what they had said as well because there's another entry that you have in that same blog which we don't need to necessarily talk about the specifics in there but um you had done something it was it was a physical contact it was a boundary issue do you know what I'm talking about or you had put your hand on someone's shoulder and they said oh yeah, it yeah, later? Yeah, okay, okay. yeah yeah okay yeah yeah essentially uh, you have been met with pushback in a way that could usually, under the right circumstances, could be healthy if addressed properly. If someone were to say, you know, I, even though I disagree with this tactic, if someone were to tell you, hey, I was a little bit offended by what you said, here's why, that is different than twisting what the situation was to reaffirm, um, issues that you have about yourself like in your relation to when you had um um uh, the only reason I don't want to like necessarily specifically touch on the specifics of physical contact thing is because it feels so silly but it's hard to explain if you don't you can go re- ahead read the blog entry well I just mean that like you had uh, either placed your hand on someone's shoulder or got too close to them and they were made uncomfortable by that and they had uh, a time and a place which they could bring up to you that like, hey, physical contact is kind of an issue for me. I don't want to deal with that. That that is the space. However, instead of doing that, they sort of weaponized the situation to make you feel like a piece of shit. A- instead of, uh, unless I'm reading the situation wrong, because no. the the reason I wrote it down is you said that it re reaff- it essentially reaffirmed your fears that you are, you know socially awkward or what or whatever um when somebody does that about your blog the reason I didn't want to talk about it is because that's more about goosebumps I, I'm more talking about when somebody does that with your blog where they take your truth and weaponize it against you what is that like for you obviously that doesn't help
1: no of course it it does exactly it reaffirms it reaffirms my biggest fears which is just it's funny because people throughout my whole life especially teenage adolescence adulthood that was the wrong order but
0: teenage adolescence um, adolescence, yeah, teenage
1: adulthood. um in. i guess people
0: mm. <laughs> keep keep going because i have a note on that <laughs> really i've got oh. so many notes
1: oh good 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 i love that um people have said that i'm too hard on myself or, or like What, if nine people compliment you, you're going to listen to the one person who didn't? And, however, in this case, it's like, oh, so many people are saying, oh, thank you for what you're writing in your blog, or no, don't worry about it, you're great, or blah, 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 Mm blah, and then the one person who says, you're the sickest person I've ever met, or the person who says, like, touch boundaries, please, and yes, of course I'm going to listen to that person, because... For all I know, everyone else is just telling me what I want to hear, or it's more convenient for them to say those things, Mm -hmm. Um, or they don't have the energy to be honest. Um, And when it's also, it's an inclusion thing, it's, there's so much hypocrisy because I feel like, again, people in our age group, they try to convey themselves as these champions of inclusion and advocacy and it's very much on a grand hypothetical level it's like inclusion of these people they don't even actually know but then when it's just me it's you don't respond to like you'll let me be the one in the group chat not being responded to or right. like you'll with the touch boundary thing I'm like I know if someone else did this it you'd be laughing it up or there would just be no issue. It's why do you have this idea in my head that I'm a scary, bad person True. or that there's something unsafe about me? That's, I talk about this, I'm sure, a lot, but just the blurring the line between safety and comfort is a huge problem. Um, it's become a huge problem. Um, I think just, yeah, the a lot of people have said that I make them feel unsafe and even though it would also break my heart to make people uncomfortable that there's like the comedy uncomfortable like that type of discomfort is whatever but like to like really unsafe what do you think I'm going to pull a knife out of my back pocket and stab you do you think like really so
0: let's let's pick up on that then first of all what do they fundamentally believe is unsafe about you? And two, do they actually believe that?
1: So I'll answer the second one first. People have written... So this is... this. I've talked so, 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 so much about this. And in my blog. And just... I, I fucking made a movie about it. But um, when it first happened... Oh,
0: hey, Hollywood.
1: Oh, yeah. Sam, yep. Okay. At the Imagine Theater in Royal Oak. Um, Amen. Um... The one of the major disruptions with my schooling is that four years ago when I started this acting program, I had not I was very bulimic. Um and I didn't look I mean this is something people get upset with me even saying, just using this type of phrasing, but like in my very strong opinion, I did not look sick, but people knew I was doing it and so that made people feel unsafe and because they made it about them that's yeah. just what okay right. <laughs> about them
0: right that's projection
1: um, yes um and so basically so four years ago at this time I was you know I was on my winter break I came home was very bulimic and basically went and was I know this is kind of delineating from the original mm-hmm. question but um i was assessed with all these things and i was finally i was put on prozac because it's specifically (laughs) it specifically targets anxiety bulimia and ocd which i was just only four years ago diagnosed with Mm -hmm. um which yeah I'm, i'm a very obsessive person so it's not a surprise. Like it, it was basically I was telling this nurse practitioner who uh, diagnosed me. I was giving her basically the same timeline. I was like, "Well, on October second of two thousand eleven, I went to the doctor and um, I was officially told that I was overweight." And then, so basically, from there, at the end of that, she's like, "You, you have OCD," and I'm like, "How do you know?" And she's just like, "You do." And I'm you like, do, "Yeah, well." I was like, "That makes so much sense." I'm it's like, "It's more of
0: like a, if you look deep within, you already know."
1: i'm like i i don't want to be one of those people who's like oh yeah that makes me so OCD because it's not an adjective
0: it's it bothers um, me yeah
1: (laughs) yes but um for me it's because i think most people when they picture it it's the like obsessive cleaning and for me i mean i think i'm a clean person but it's not it's not that's not how it manifests it's not the hygiene again i'm a clean person but um it's rumination it's perseverating on thoughts and yes it's a compulsive inability to let things go
0: and Um, tied to again to to hereby now project and then make it about myself um (laughs) uh when i was younger i was uh, my family referred to me as the alphabet kid because very early on i was uh diagnosed with at the time ADHD and ADD however there's like a growing theory and like the psychiatric community that those two are now two sides of the same coin ADHD and ADD so I essentially just say ADHD it's kind of like deep the square deep the, the ADHD deep dive exactly and it's the square to rectangle philosophy that I believe at the time the theory was ADHD could include ADD but ADD did not include ADHD yeah. now they they just say ADHD and I'm a sheep and I follow them so uh And then later on, it became OCD and ODD, which is, um, I believe, it's uh, oppositional defiance disorder. So all of these things manifested themselves personally and then externally is where the ODD came out. So OCD was more... OCD on top of ADHD was where a lot of hyperfixations came on, um, which meant that for particular subjects, I was either incredibly well versed. I was I was essentially your and I, and I don't mean this offensively, and here I am throwing one of those trigger warnings out. Uh, but it was essentially I was either all of these things or I was autistic. There were there was it it was one or the other. Um, all, all this to say, OCD is not what people think. It is, it can be, that can be a manifestation of it, just being clean and always wanting to wash your hands and wiping door handles and all that kind of stuff. But it really is just about, whether it's big or small, literally obsessing to the point of it being sort of like an addiction, that it gets in your way. It's, it stops you from doing the things that you want to do because you're so obsessed on making it particular or perfect. Am I mansplaining (laughs) OCD to to an audience here? I know, of course, they know, but not
1: there might be someone who does not.
0: Sure, yeah. So um, let's 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 flip this back because I went on a too long a rant about myself. I just mean, uh, where did um, OCD come into play with a lot of this? um, Can I use the phrase bulimia? Is that what? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Where where did that attach itself?
1: um again the the rumination the inability to move on from the guilt or just remembering like dates of things that i ate or i think the biggest thing is remembering my weight on any given day to the decimal yeah um that was a big one um, or just even putting it in a timeline, I think. But again, unsurprising, like this isn't, this isn't revelatory, but, um, just in terms of obsessing or the compulsive, again, like I said, for the first few years, it really did seem like it was in my control of, oh, this is a neat tool that I can use only when I want to. And then it became a, I have to, um... Where I there was one day specifically, and I remember almost exactly four years ago when I was telling the nurse practitioner who prescribed me Prozac and just dis- diagnosed me as OCD. Um, I was telling her about this, but there was one day four years ago that I believe from waking up to going to bed, I threw up. I made myself eight times. And that was all I did the whole day. I would eat something. With the purpose... Well, I, no. It never ever starts like that. Every morning, I will say to myself... Not anymore, because I know better. But I would say to myself, I'm not going to throw up today. Um, Like, I just am not going to. And then it's just like, I eat this much too much... And then it's, well, fuck, now I might as well go all in because I'm going to throw up anyway. Ugh. It's the all or nothing thing. So, again, I will eat what is really a normal amount. But I've convinced myself it is too much. It's past the point of no return. So, might as well go all the way. And then it's, um, and then I get to the point where I'm like, I could never eat anything again. I feel sick, and then about five minutes after throwing up, I do the whole thing over again. Um, but and I don't know if you, well, fuck, I was gonna. Uh, um,
0: Can I pick up on this? Yeah. Yes. My sigh was two-parted. It was it was one, like you can't help but hear that without feeling empathy. That like it is objectively sad to know that like you feel that way, but also when it comes to the binge eating, just the way that you worded it is, just, I just I felt really seen. So this is my power outage story. Uh, so when I was when I was younger, I grew I grew up very scrawny. I was the scrawny kid, and then I very quickly around football season turned into like the fit kid did it for a couple of years and then had all of the same mentality of a 16 year old trying to get fit eating the right foods but I stopped playing football I stopped doing sports so I was eating all the right foods as in everything I could possibly eat but now I wasn't going to the gym I wasn't exercising um I was a ginger, so I like had these like confidence issues already. So like, binge binge eating turns into a source of validation when if nobody else will love me, at least the, at least the food tastes delicious. All that to say, I I became the quote unquote fat kid, um, and you know that time, it wasn't really that big of a deal. Of course, it like r- shocks your confidence. But the fact that it happened again later in life is more what is where the, the issues come from because pretty quickly after I was able to lose that weight. I was able to gain a hundred pounds and then lose a hundred pounds in the span of three years in high school. So how it happened, I don't even necessarily remember. I know that I had a competition with somebody to see who could lose weight. And all that, I know that I didn't do it the healthy way. There was probably a lot of not eating, i never I never threw up or made myself throw up, but there was a lot of not eating. I knew that dehydrating myself before a weigh in would always make me feel and look thinner or lighter. Um, because of course, a lot of weight that you gain is body weight. So then I would trick or is water weight. and then I would trick my brain to believe that sweating meant that I was losing weight, so I would put on like, you know, I was still doing the same shit. I was like sitting in my room playing video games, doing nothing, but then I was wearing like. In the middle of the summer, I'd have my space heaters on, and I'd be wearing heat or like sweatpants and sweatshirts and garbage bags to try and make myself sweat, and it was all to win a competition. That's all it was. Now, that seems unhealthy, but whatever. I'm not I don't know if I, I should even say whatever. It just that is not that for felt more of like a toxic masculinity dumb kid thing. I lost the weight, felt fit, felt good, actually looked good for a long time. Obje- like objectively, I did get to a point where I was eating healthy, whatever that phrase may mean, just for what my body was supposed to handle. Then I was in a deeply loveless marriage, <laughs> uh, uh, which I haven't even particularly talked about on this podcast. and I don't even know if I should talk about it on this podcast. I was just in a relationship that went sour very quickly, and then we decided to redeem that relationship by getting married. I don't, I was 21, we were very young. Okay, it's the foolish mistake. Anyways, stress goes up, you hate yourself, eat a bunch of food, I got to 275. Then I get divorced at 23, 24, and I run away to New York City. Totally alone, just me and my dogs. And for the first month there, I decided I was not just a vegetarian, but that I think I could probably go multiple days out of the week with just not eating. That I think that I could manage that. And if I do, I'll eat, because the the phrase um, uh, intermittent fasting was starting to gain popularity, which to me just meant I can eat as much as I possibly want in a two hour time span as long as I don't eat or drink anything else for the rest of the day. So it was two hours of pure bliss of just like ice cream and pizza and freaking just cereal and garbage and gobs of peanut butter and whatever I could possibly imagine to eat. And then being awake and walking around the heat in New York city for 10, 12 hours, not eating anything, not drinking any water, doing nothing other than my two hours a day where I would binge eat. And unfortunately that worked so well. It worked so well. I was able to lose so much weight so quickly. And for the most part, I've been able to keep it off. (laughs) However, One thing has changed while one thing has remained constant. The thing that changed is I'm not doing the intermittent fasting. Now I'm just eating whenever I want to eat. The problem is I want to eat all the time. And so now instead of going hours without eating, I'm doing exactly what you said. I'll start the morning by going, today is the day. I can get through it today. For you, it's not throwing up. For me, it's not. It's just not the binge eating in the first place. And then I start around 11 o'clock in the morning after I've done my yoga and felt good that I did my exercise for the day. Now I can shove my face full of every single thing in my fridge for hours and hours and hours. And instead of going now gaps without eating, now I'm just sitting in my bed, existing in shame, right on the cusp of being like, throw this up and it's only entered my brain in my late 20s the answer to me was never well just throw it up and it'll never because my because
1: uh,
0: just knowing full well and I'm sure you understand this it's not good for you to do that obviously however so like but I can do it and so that thought enters my brain. And now to get off that tangent and tie it back to a note here, you said in your blog that if you were to give yourself an answer for as to why you do it, you said that sobriety, virginity, and your eating disorder all essentially make you feel like you are in control. That whether whether or not it's good for you to... And of course, I mean, there are clear arguments to be made that sobriety and virginity are can be good for you in theory. I mean, of, of course, there's no downsides to that beyond emotional. But when it comes to like your eating disorder, it is a control thing. It's you are doing what you want on your own terms. That includes ingesting calories like but you also said something which I which is why I piped up during your adolescence thing said it it also makes you feel in touch with your youth and I'm sorry to be rambling for 45 minutes here but the whole the whole tie-in was that like I think there's some truth to that that like unless I'm misreading the situation that that shame that I feel after a binge eat or whatever is the following thought is, man, but if I was like, if I was a kid, it wouldn't matter. Like, or when I was a kid, this didn't matter because I knew I could get out of it. But that's not who we are now, but it makes us feel in touch with our youth. I don't know, tell me about why why you wrote that specifically like what do you mean it makes you feel in touch with your youth
1: well first
0: s- sorry <laughs> no
1: no no first thank you for everything you just said because sure. most of it i didn't know and we'll talk about it later this yeah, is yeah. talking to you as a person yeah, yeah i'd love to talk about that later because i i can't just hear that and be like okay now I get, me again. I get
0: it i get it that's why i'm like nervous to talk about it because i don't want like in podcast form because like we both have two different truths however there's a lot of common ground there in this venn diagram of our eating disorders
1: and i would always always love like i it's a conversation you
0: know exactly that's the podcast
1: of it all what i want people to know and you are people in this case um i want people to know that i am someone you can always say anything to because and i need it to be important For people to know that I mean it, because where I've been burned a lot before is that other people and they'll have good intentions and they will say so earnestly, like, please, you can share anything with me. And they think they mean it until I share and then it's too late. And that was one of the reasons why my classmates kicked me out of their cohort four years ago is because I made them feel unsafe because I shared too much that they said, please share, but then they realized they couldn't handle it.
0: So what, let me, sorry to interrupt one more time. This this unsafe thing, like as a clear master of projection here, which I have now deemed myself as, that is just projection is that they feel, it's it's one of two things. It's either projection or weakness in that they feel like they are so susceptible to being convinced by you to somehow develop an eating disorder in their own life, Mm -hmm. or they are so terrified of taking the steps necessary to help or um, just be there for a friend that they would rather shun you than be responsible for not helping you get better. And that's on you ultimately, not them, but they think that by you simply being there, it's unsafe for them that frustrates me yeah tell your friends i said that
1: they're not my friends <laughs>
0: well that's good good probably for um,
1: but um yeah so that's just that's that's its whole, whole other 2 hour podcast but anyway yeah. back to the the youth the sobriety all of that so i talk about it so so much because i almost So I've never, I've never had a sip of alcohol. Mm -hmm. And if anyone thinks that's impressive, it would be a lot more impressive if I had, and then was able to stop. But the reason I never have is because I know I could not. Because again, I told you I'm very all or nothing. If I had a sip, I'd be like, oh, guess I'm an alcoholic now. So that's one thing. Um, And I feel like it's, it's a way to compensate for how badly I've fucked up with food and eating. Um... You know, like, this is one thing I can do perfectly. I, you know, it's, it's way too late for me with eating. But with this thing that's also considered a vice or not good or very addicting, I've never done it. Like, kind of like that. Um, And it's the thing of, I remember, I made the decision when I was 16. And surprisingly, I mean... I still have not done it.
0: Um, I don't have a lot of commitments from when I was sixteen that I stuck to, so that's a pretty big one.
1: I, yeah, um, yeah, and um, I just I remember because I even when I was I remember being twelve and being terrified of growing up, um, and but so I was sixteen and then just approaching adulthood. I just. I remember the idea made me sad of that one day I could drink and no one will care. Like, right now, I'm 16. If I drink, people would be, like, parents, they'd be mad. Or, like, your teachers would be like, oh, I didn't hear that. But then at a certain point, it's going to be like, oh, whatever. Or, oh, let's get a drink sometime. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm still young. Like, no, no, no. And I guess... It's almost exactly the same with the virginity, except for that just also scares me. And, um, and it's, with both of them, it's the idea of it being irreversible. Yeah. I don't, I don't like that, clearly. Um, and again, this is an extremely unflattering thing to say, but that's what the whole blog is. And I think that's kind of my brand, is <laughs> putting myself in unflattering positions or saying unflattering truths. But, um...
0: Are you saying that it's unflattering to have the blog? Or have you not... Are you saying you, like...
1: I'm saying... Well, honestly, yeah. But just a lot of the things I say in it, I, as you know, as we've said, and it's just, you can be honest with me, it's, it's certainly nothing that makes me more I'm sure to a lot of people it makes me more compelling but not more attractive or more um I I don't know what the right word is but it's just
0: Uh, well I just I'm I'm just trying to break down your perception of it because I guess I hear what you're saying in that like you're talking about particularly unflattering things about your life However, I think there is a mirror to that, that I I think you underestimate the value of transparency and, like, openness.
1: I hope that that's—no, I I understand that. It's just, for me, it's not—it's different because no one asked me to do this, and so it's just, of course, you get the comments about attention-seeking, um— and to a certain extent, maybe, um, yes, but I'm not, not the way that people say, like.
0: Okay. So I think this is a fair enough, unless I, unless I interrupted an overall point.
1: Can you hold on to your thing so I can make sure that I, yeah, yeah. I dance, make sure you don't forget what you're about to say. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. good. Um, I think I was going to, okay. Flattering did oh i don't uh somewhere after the virginity thing um oh i was gonna say this is not a flattering thing but it's at a certain point it comes down to me being desperate to set myself apart and be special and i'm like oh, that's a special, like, that's unexpected. Someone who's 24 and has never had alcohol or has never done drugs or had sex or like, like, wow, that's interesting. And I'm like, I like being interesting. That's sometimes I what I fear is I'm not. So I'm afraid that on my own, I'm not interesting enough. So I'm like, if I manufacture these interesting facts about me, and, like, oh, no one can take that away from me. Like, she has never had alcohol or had sex. Like, wow. That's all. Uh,
0: is, is it is it the idea that it is literally just exclusivity? That, like, you are uh, inherently different? That, like, that excites you about continuing it? Mm-hmm. Do you imagine... Well, you know, I guess you did say that, like, your fear is... With alcohol, at least, that, like, you know, you're so... Um, susceptible to going overboard that with alcohol you know perhaps that's probably a a, that, that might be a great decision um however there's two there's two things here one we could tie this back to the beginning by saying you are abstaining from something by choice because you believe it is inherently better for you even though, yes, there is truth to the fact that it is better for you that you are abstaining from these things. I think there's obviously, because you've expressed it, you've experienced it, and you've talked about it openly, there's the uh, uh, obviousness that you have it. it, um, I I don't want to keep using the word susceptible, like you are susceptible to uh, addiction or, um, what's the word I'm looking for, just- um,
1: Obsessive behavior.
0: Yeah, obsessive behavior. Just, just leaning in a bit too far. Um, but you don't know that, right? Like, you don't inherently know that you would have this issue? I'm not trying to peer pressure you to drink alcohol.
1: You know, you are, for all intents and purposes, you are correct that I do not know that.
0: But I know that. Yeah, I get it. I get it. It, it it's it's in the same way that like I I have my drug of choice is is weed, right? Like it's I feel like it's the the easy one to get addicted to, um but it is an addiction, and anyone who says otherwise is lying. Like if they're smoking weed all day every day, the people who say I could stop when I want to, you're you're not telling the truth. Um, I know that that can be, that is the lightest controversial take ever, but I know in particular, I have one, two, I have two nicotine vapes next to me and I have a weed vape next to me. I am an addict at heart, so I understand restricting yourself from something. I think if we're going to tie it full around to food though, Mm -hmm. um, like maybe you can help me break this down a bit. Um, And I know that you're no medical professional, but you are an expert in the field at the very least. Um, My addiction when it comes to food, again, is all the binge eating without the purging. Um, And then my solution is either shame myself into exercise or shame myself into not eating. So one of those are considered a healthier route, but if I'm sore and in pain because I pushed it too hard the day before, I probably shouldn't do that today. However, this food is in my stomach and it's not gonna go away and I'm not gonna be able to stop thinking about it until I do something about it to make myself feel better. If somebody told me that they disagreed with the way Actually, let me, let, me do it. let me flip it this way. When I get into those addictive behaviors and I start looking great and somebody tells me I look great, I hate that. I, ha- I can't stand it because I know deep down that I'm not doing it right. Mm-hmm. But then suddenly you tell me I'm doing great and I'm like, I guess I have to continue this. Do you feel that way when it comes to the bulimia? Like, Have you ever gotten a compliment that validated your insecurities? You know what I
1: mean? It's funny because I think for so long, people have known that I've had some sort of issue that I think people at this point know better. Um, The compliments I get are usually not even directly re- Like, a compliment I get a lot is how small my waist is. That's true no matter, like, that has always been true. Um, it's not directly related to um, to what I make myself do in terms of my eating problems. Um, but I'm trying to think of a time where someone, because if someone didn't know me, they wouldn't say you lost weight because they didn't know me ever so they would say maybe they would say you're so skinny and yeah i love it love it you Um, do love it yeah love it um but it does make me think well fuck um and i remember though i and again this all in the blog but five years ago so (laughs) even though we 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 have met in person and i don't know how much time you spent staring at my actual figure but um and plus i was in a big dress most of the time because snow white but yeah my body is you know i have a small upper body and then i just have like a really big butt and i'm just bottom heavy and so five years ago i actually um i did have on my legs i had liposuction in an attempt to balance out my proportion is that in there it's in the notes okay um <laughs> in an attempt to balance it out more and um afterwards i had a checkup and i of course was not fully satisfied it was better but i was not satisfied and between getting the procedure and then my five month checkup i had lost like 20 pounds and i was not even overweight to begin with But I lost 20 pounds and the doctor, the surgeon, he's like, I don't think, I was crying. I was basically like, please, can you do more? Please, please, please. And um, he's like, there's nothing else, like, there's nothing there. And I don't think you understand how great you look. And that bothered me.
0: Ah, yeah, yeah.
1: Because he was a medical professional. And I'm thinking, I've hurt myself so much to get to this point and you're congratulating it so like oh my gosh if I didn't do that what would you say or what would I look like um but I mean at least so since that time I've gone into that doctor three times to beg again for him to do something and at this point I'm 30 pounds less than when he originally operated so i know logically if before he said there's nothing more to do i know now there's gonna not be anything but i still go in and he's like there's just nothing and then i almost say like i like according to bmi and just in fact like i am technically underweight why aren't you saying that i'm like i need the validation of a doctor saying you're underweight and he just he never did um I, I didn't say what I just said out loud to you I never said mm-hmm. um uh but then I I tr- sorry did you have a specific question about it
0: no just I mean well I do have it in my notes that like just that particular moment when you're begging yeah when you said that you weren't necessarily screaming at him in in volume but you said that you were basically saying everything that you could to weaponize your emotions against him to get him to realize that you, quote-unquote, need this procedure.
1: So that actually, that's with my psychiatrist currently. Um, so that wasn't... Oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Um It's all nonsense. But um, so that was the surgeon who actually, five years ago, did do it. And then this time... What you're referring to is my current psychiatrist in Chicago who prescribes my Prozac. And so when I tried most recently to again get this procedure on my legs, it was all great, great, great until they're like, and are you on any medications? And I'm thinking, like, yes, I am. I'm on the highest dosage of Prozac you can be on. But... I feel like if I say that it's gonna, blah, blah. and I really was this close to just obfuscating that and saying no, but then for just something told me probably a good thing to tell the truth that I was, um, and they're like, okay, great, we're just we're just gonna need a a clearance from whoever it is who prescribes that to you, um, and
0: <laughs> like that's a great Chicago doctor accent. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: And, uh... <laughs> shut up. Um, <laughs> and at that point, I, like, I knew it was gonna get turned down, but I was talking to my psychiatrist, and he was, like, I, I can't say yes to this. And he's, like, I was laying in bed, dreading telling you, but, like, I, I can't. And I, that's what I, I'm just, like, I, I'm, like, you have to, you have to do this for me. Like, there's...
0: Well, it, it now... Right there though. That's that's that validation you were seeking though, right? Is that ultimately he's saying I can't do this yeah, because you are so... underweight.
1: But more but what even frustrates me about that, it was it was less that and more
0: Was it just the Prozac?
1: No, 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 no. It was everything you just said, except instead of the physical you're underweight, it was more um I'm not going to encourage the disorder.
0: I see. He, it, it more, he was more nervous about his role to play in being implicit, uh, implicit in enabling you yeah. rather than, okay. So do you, do you have friends around you who struggle with bulimia? You don't have to out them or whatever, but do you have people in your life that do? You can say no, if, if not.
1: Well, no, cause I'm thinking of actual friends, no bulimia. Um, but like everyone I know basically has some sort of, Kind of restricty type. Not
0: everyone, but like you're with a bunch of theater kids. I mean, it's it's not unexpected.
1: They all all at some point have had something. But I'm trying to. Most of it is a restricting thing. I can't think of anyone off the top of my head who has been bulimic. But every so you don't something.
0: you don't, besides the online forums or uh, doctor's visits, you don't really have any frame of reference for the mutual struggle, yet, right?
1: Well, I do from the outpatient little treatment center that I went to. um. But again, those aren't, like, friends. That's um, that's not
0: your buddy you can call up and talk about. I, I'm i trying not to purge right now. Talk to me about why I shouldn't.
1: Right, and I, I mean... I still actually am in touch with some of those people. Um but you're it's not encouraged. I mean obviously I don't care about rules. But um there was one person who I now talk to again at the time I stopped cuz this was now fuck almost 4 years ago, but like she was 10 years older than me had no top teeth um had been throwing up since before i was born um and so she was like 15 years older um and it was just horrible to look at um so that's a frame of reference and like my fear has become like like i've never had an issue with the dentist which is kind of i know this is fucked up but like that almost bothers me that they would look at my teeth and not know.
0: Is that a, that, because that's a typical thing that comes along with bulimia, right? It's just like teeth not falling out, but the gums eroding, correct?
1: Yeah. And then it subsequently, consequently, the teeth falling out. I see. It ruins them. But I mean, mine are still perfect and there's never been an issue. And I'm very grateful for that. I'm terrified that something's going to happen to them. But also, it has almost been frustrating that, like, before I was so open about it, I would almost want to go to the dentist or the doctor and for them to notice something they never did.
0: Yeah. I think for the, um, I was going to use the word uninsured, but that's not necessarily relevant for people who don't go to the doctor or don't necessarily take their advice from a doctor or whatever. I'm I'm just saying that to full circle. Say I don't have insurance, so instead of going to a doctor, I ex- I, I seek Reddit's medical advice. Oh, which okay. I'm sure is the healthiest healthiest thing on the planet to do, of course. Um, but so you know, you vent anonymously about what you're going through, or whatever. And then I I've had a similar conversation where like you know I, I I just want to go somewhere and somebody tells me that like we can see you have a problem, like don't don't tiptoe around it. Call me out on my bullshit. Because ultimately, and, I, and I'm sorry if this is a more direct way of saying it, everything that we do is a direct cry for help in some way. The acting pursuit is some sort of pursuit of validation externally when it comes to our eating disorders. It is, it is a self-image issue. It could be like an external validation thing as well, but it has a lot to do with how we view ourselves or how we view others' perception of ourselves. Now, the hardest part that I think that we're going to try and navigate on this podcast is finding some way to wrap it up. Um, And uh, I mean that, of course, seriously, but also comedically in a way that like, this is a conversation that we could talk about for literally hours and hours and hours. And I would actually encourage you to come back so we could like talk about this in the future. Um... Because God knows, I'd like to vent my frustrations to have someone who kind of understands listen to me talk uninterrupted for an hour. Uh, so, if you want to be my therapist for the day, that's why i are invited back. But yep. so I just mean, okay. This is a maybe too broad of a question, but it's the only way I know how to ask it. How? Okay. Um. This is, this is where that greatest fear came in. How Emily do you get out of this? Because obviously there is a knowledge that it is not sustainable. Correct. Like you've, and I, this is not, I don't think that I have to do this because I think you understand my perspective. I'm not trying to influence your decision-making or anything. I couldn't do that anyway. I just when you see yourself in five, ten years. Actually, let me let me just read what I wrote down. Like, um, okay, where did I where did I put this? Cause damn it, this was a good note, David.
1: Find where it. did I put it? Find it. You're where did I put it?
0: Okay, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just gonna be very candid. Is this all about image, or is this about? like the enjoyment of life itself. Obviously this is attached to anxiety and can be some sort of depression, but does this have anything to do with like, I don't know. I'm sorry, this is, I'm really trying not to project here.
1: Do whatever, I will filter.
0: Okay, well I, I've ex- I've been on the brink of suicide multiple times. But that's been the idea of it is a moment in time, right? It's, you know, sorry for the harshness, but it's jumping or swerving the car or pulling the trigger or whatever. It's a moment in time. Is this strictly what you're experiencing about the public perception? Or is this a, like a a more internal struggle with life itself, like...
1: When you say this, do you mean my eating problems or the blog?
0: I I think that, uh, oh, uh, eating problems, yes, but I think it, it's more based in mental health because that's that's derived from the mental health issues. Of course, that's a mental health disorder. Does it get to the verge of, I, I hate myself, I hate everything about me, and I, I'm not w- worth the breath that I breathe, or is this... I just want to look good. Like where is that? I'm sorry if that's a ignorant question.
1: No. You wouldn't be asking if you weren't curious. Um It is all of it. I I don't want to be like <laughs> brooding and be like it's definitely just the first one. I hate like, my mm. But like yes, it's a lot of the first one um but also i don't want to discount the fact that it's also the second but on a moment-to-moment basis it's the first i'm it's it's both of them it's both
0: so I guess then let me re- redirect it back to the more pointed question. What is the out? Like, is there a number? Is there a feeling? Is there an age? Like, if, if this were your friend telling you, you know, let's, let's tie it back to the leg surgery. Like, the way that you even worded it was like, I wanted the bottom half to match the top half. But the top half came as a result of purging and the bottom half just didn't come along with it. So if a friend was telling you they wanted to, you know, shrink their legs down a third of a size to match what they had done by vomiting, like how, I I don't know where, what's the out?
1: I'll say that the reason I measure it in increments of NTU, as you pointed, not throwing up, um, it's because now it is not, I don't want to use the word miracle, but it's just, it's, it's uh, something I cannot take for granted anymore when I'm able to string together several days of not doing it. Whereas I used to, I, I went, when I was first put on Prozac four years ago, I went almost three years without doing it until one day I did. Um, uh, so I, the out for me is just every time I'm doing it and I'm in the middle of it and I'm like, or it's, it's like, I uh, know, like I just, I ate and now I have to do this and I'm just so tired and I don't want to, but I have to, I'm like, it's not sustainable um can i ask you a question please about me <laughs>
0: go, ahead. go ahead
1: um and you can obviously choose to not because it's a borderline manipulative not nice question to ask someone but when we met what did you think when you were looking at me
0: As in anything, like with the knowledge that I have now, or like purely like
1: with the knowledge I didn't have, without having any knowledge.
0: Um, I wouldn't say that what you're asking is manipulative, but it is a difficult question to answer because I think, at least the way that I would be asking the question that you're saying is, I would want you to be like. So you at least noticed I was sk- too skinny, right? Like, yes. like you can say all these things, but like you noticed, right? Yeah. Like, and it doesn't matter if I said yes or no. Cause you would be like, nah, he noticed. He just doesn't want to say.
1: Well, right? the funny thing is the opposite is because yes, that's what I'm asking truly. But if you said I did not notice that would hurt my feelings more.
0: Interesting. Then now I feel like I'm being manipulated. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, I mean, um, I am. Um, okay, so I think that there there's a way of probably answering that without tilting the scales a little bit.
1: Huh.
0: Um. I would say. Um, it's very clear that you are a small figured person. You're a but like. I think there is an inability in my mind to ever assume about anybody. There are, I know a lot of people in my life who I think will actually find this, uh, podcast particularly relevant because they grew up. Um, I can think of a, a few specific people I went to high school with who listen, who were very tall, very skinny women, um, and they would sort of go the opposite direction of like, eat, eat, eat. I cannot gain weight no matter what I do. And then there was shame associated with that. Um, I could not possibly feel sorry for that type of person. <laughs> well, I, I, I get that. I get the, I get the natural uh, desire to want to feel some sort of rage about that sentiment. I think more so what I mean is that the pe- those exact people, I think I would have believed had an eating disorder who were stop doing everything they could to be exactly the opposite. So there is an inability for me to assess it properly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, of course you are a, you are a skinny, small woman. Um, but I don't know what, I don't know how much more you want from me in that or, um, Okay. Let's, 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 let's ask that then. Like, why, why ask someone that?
1: That's part of the OC. I can't help it. I don't want to ask you that, but I need to know. I need to.
0: So then in theory, your, right now, your small win is strictly the number of days. And from then on, right? Or what is your, what is your North Star of success? whether incremental or full.
1: When I can get back to a place where it's a sustained period of time of not doing it. And I'm a lower weight.
0: That is a really unfortunate answer to hear because for obvious reasons.
1: I know. And it's, it's just to, <laughs> for those almost three years of not doing it, I I was eating as much as I really wanted and yet, and not throwing up. And I was a very low weight still. And it was amazing. And I just, that's all I mean.
0: But you also recognize, because I can sense that you are a particularly intelligent person, that you know on two sides of the coin. One, the obvious is that's not good for you. And two, youthful metabolism is significantly different than mid-20s metabolism, right? So,
1: mine was never, like, I think I fucked it up years and years and years and years ago. Like, I never had a fast one.
0: Well, right. Well, so the fact that you acknowledge that, though, is an inherent recognition that this thing you're striving for, whether it where it's the I can have... I literally have my cake and eat it too
1: <laughs>
0: like with your current definition or standard that is unattainable right Where like there is some acknowledgement that in order to be healthy in theory you're going to have to start eating and that does mean gaining numbers on the scale right like what, what you do with that is of course your prerogative but there is an acknowledgement that that's that's ultimately where it is right okay i think that should be the bigger takeaway for people that like the individual struggle is exclusively up to you like what you do with that information is a lifelong battle and you could you could have 10 years without throwing up but by the time that you're 50 it's the it's the um addicts mentality that like you are always an addict but you are recovering essentially so like there is that openness that you need to acknowledge in yourself that you are susceptible to possibly just like i am susceptible to giving in to these temptations it is possible that with the right mindset you can get out of that but that does not mean just letting go and being like actually now instead of giving up my on bulimia now i'm gonna have sex with everything that walks, drink everything that's, you know, could get me fucked up, smoke every drug. Like that's not where that leans. But you see what you "quote unquote" have to do, correct? Yes. Okay. Well then I've done my job. <laughs> I'm happy to have fundamentally saved your life and yep. fixed all of your problems. Of course. Um and yes. now you have no more issues, right? Like everything in correct. your life is better. Yeah. Okay, I just wanted to make sure.
1: Of course. All because of um, you,
0: yes. Um, don't just say this for the ego. But I think there is a bigger conversation to have there. Is there any sort of interest in re-exploring this? Yes. Okay.
1: Like, seriously, yes. I could okay, also... Cool. I could, as you know, I could talk about it ad nauseum. And also, you seem to... It's, it's funny because... There are people who will talk and talk and talk about it, claim, thinking they know so well and they don't. But you, you're so humble, saying, I know nothing. And you're pretty spot on about a lot of it.
0: <laughs> See, but the, again, the Venn diagram is both of us, me and the person who actually knows nothing, is we still just talk and talk and talk. So uh, that's one thing that I'm learning with this podcast is I'm going to have to get better at some point. Like, I feel like I'm letting people talk to a certain degree, but I'm... It's going a long time in between gaps before I allow them to do so.
1: <laughs> I disagree. No, I, well, I don't. you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Just coach. like,
0: yeah, I was going to say, just like those adults in our life that we shunned their opinion of, I don't give a fuck, right? I believe what I believe and you're not going to change my mind. Hey, um, thank you for this. I know that, we left a lot of gaps open and I'm actually a little more bummed that we're not finishing it up, maybe more so than you. I don't know, uh, because I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of space for relatability in this conversation because for whatever target audience I'm going for, the audience that I do have is creatives. There are some people across the spectrum and I think that almost all of them can relate to some sort of self image issues. Um, and I'm sure every single one has had the worst ideas cross their mind. So, if nothing else, I just want this podcast to be a uh, a space where people can feel validated in their disdain for themselves. Um, so, thanks for hating yourself, so other people could hate <laughs> themselves through you.
1: Just doing my job, ma'am. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Hey, uh, hang out on the line real fast. But I think this is an appropriate place to end this. You will be back on the podcast. Yeah, you're hired. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna end the podcast here. But hang out on the line. Bye, Emily.
1: Bye.